0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined tonight by my co-host, Nick Pollock. Nick, what's going on? Doing well. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. It's also been a while since we've had Peter Burks on the podcast. We decided we were going to go out and change that. Peter, what's going on, brother? My friends, hello. Yeah, thanks Thanks for, th- thanks for having Peter. the time for us. We, uh, we, we appreciate it, Peter.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'd say it's lovely to be back. Thank you uh, Thank you for bringing me back in the fold. Yeah, not a problem.
0: Uh, we decided that, uh, you know, we've done a lot of basketball podcasts recently. We've done a lot of hockey podcasts recently. We haven't really... We've, we've we've done two hockey podcasts. We, we've we done more hockey podcasts than we have done be- more, than more one. podcasts.
2: Yeah, we were we were a reverse jinx. So now that we won a series, I think we can come back and do another one this week.
0: Yeah, uh, as long as it fits into Doug's schedule, because Doug is the goodest boy of them all. Like that, sure. Uh, but yeah. In that time, we we haven't really done a football podcast. And if memory serves outside of the National Signing Day ones, we haven't really had the chance to kind of decompress about this past Penn State football season. So we wanted to take the opportunity, just sit down, talk about this year, talk about how, I, I mean, when you talk about kind of these stereotypical uh, Out of nowhere college football season, Penn State had one of those this year. Uh, and then we're going to get into some super-duper early predictions uh, for what we expect out of the Nittany Lions during the 2017 season. Uh, if you don't want to listen to this whole thing and get to that, we're all just going to talk about how we expect Penn State to beat Pitt. But before we do that, let's get into the debrief. 11-3 and this year, uh, played, won the Big Ten, beat Ohio State played in one of probably the three to five best Rose Bowl games of all time. Uh, Nick, we'll start with you. When you look back on this season, what is the lasting memory that... Well, I I mean, I guess at this point it's last season. What is the lasting memory that you're going to have from that team?
2: Hmm. Uh, That's a good question. Uh, I think just the offensive revolution in general is what stands out to me, thinking about the team, just after... The complete tomfoolery that was the offense in 2014, 2015, just seeing what Joe Moorhead was able to do on the offensive side of the ball and what he was able to install in such a short amount of time and just how just it just shifted completely on a dime to Penn State suddenly be in this high-powered offense that could score 60 or 50 points a game. Um, well, I guess they did that once we'll say 40. Uh, but just that, that radical change in the way they played football, I think was the biggest thing for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, after, I I mean, the first two years of James Franklin's tenure, uh, fortunately they're the kind of thing that's the kind of thing that since they were so good last year, we can look back on the previous two years and be a little bit meaner than usual about them. Um, they were just so incredibly bad. And, Watching this year, I I think really put into context how bad the offense was uh, for the first two years of Franklin's tenure, but I I mean, this is a year where, I mean, on the whole for the team, basically everything went right, but especially for the offense, once it found its groove, I I mean, everything saying everything went right is a bit of an understatement. I mean, if you told me before the year that Penn State would end the year 18th in offensive S&P Plus, I would have... I, I would have been surprised, and I don't think anybody really saw that one coming. So yeah, Joe Moorhead, I hope you stay here forever. Uh, Peter, same question to you about kind of the lasting memory that
1: you're going to have of this Penn State team. Uh, it was just, it was fun. It was so much fun. I, after the, after the low of the Michigan game, watching them put it together and then just start that was a magical teams.
2: field goal, sir. How dare you?
1: <laughs> Got points. <laughs> Uh, God, that was good. Um, no, it, it, so it was just so fun watching them go game after game doing the same thing and just start just demolishing teams in the second half. And it, you just it, – as fans who have watched a team that really played painful football the last couple of years, it, it, you got this really like – glad, I, I'm, it's, it's hard to describe, but like this feeling in your stomach of just like, of, of joy, uh, of, of happiness, like watching them suddenly put it together and turn it on, and that that feeling will be my last impression of that team.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, that seems uh again, and it goes back to what we were saying about the offense, just in general, there was something, not even when it came to the offense, just with the looseness and the swagger, with that this team played with. I mean, Penn State's offense towards the end free of the kodak. year... Free kodak free kodak yeah. Towards the end of the year, Penn State's offense became... Okay, so Trey's, you're going to drop back, and then you're just going to look as far down the field as you possibly can. And the, however far your arm lets you throw that football, it is going there. Like They ran the four-verts offense that like you p- ran when you played NCAA in college. It was awesome. I think Spencer Hall, like... He was. He would make jokes about how like McSorley would just close his eyes and chuck it, and it would work, and like that. That's actually true. That's actually what this entire Penn State season. I, I once it turned around. It turned around basically because of that. For me, the lasting impression uh, is. I, I mean, the lasting impression is the fact that everything, especially after the Michigan game, seems so 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 dark, and then. Like, if you wrote this season and submitted it as a screenplay, people would say, yo, this is corny. Like, what the hell are you doing?
1: Corny as hell.
0: Corny as hell. Like, hey, guys, guess what? The team is going to hit the lowest of low points that you can possibly imagine, lose to their rival, and then just turn it on, you know, a big game against a top two team where they storm the field. They win the championship. They maybe lose a heart. Like, this felt... Towards, over the last like couple of weeks, like the movie Friday Night Lights. It was ridiculous. And th- it all just happened. And f- we were talking, we've said this on the pod plenty of times, we were talking at times about how James Franklin, maybe he's not the guy for the job. Maybe someone like Matt Rule, he won't have too big of a buyout. And now Matt Rule's in Baylor, James Franklin's <laughs> in State College. James Franklin has won award after award after award for the job that he did here. Uh, and Nick, you're laughing. Uh, can you uh, can you explain why?
2: I was I was laughing at the prospect of thinking about Matt Rule's buyout now.
0: Yeah. Well, it, did did Baylor give him a ridiculous buyout, or was his buyout there like, okay, buddy, actually, we we we, we actually, understand. Sure. Don't worry.
2: I'm not sure, actually, now that I think about it. I thought I knew, but now I do. Also, really quick, I think this season actually more accurately replicates season three of the Friday Night Lights TV show, the team that lost in the Texas State Championship.
0: I, uh, I'm going to say something that probably is going to make you a little bit angry.
2: You have not watched the TV show?
0: I have not watched the TV show. Me either. Oh. We, well, oh. It, it was one of those TV shows that I like, wanted to get into because I really, really loved the movie. Uh, but then it got to the point where it was just, oh, you know what? Um, it's long, and I'm really behind on it because I've never seen an episode. And, yeah, so that ended up happening. But was how, how right. it, well, how well, is it like, you, well, no, Nick, how was it like Season 3?
2: Okay, so Season 3, it's uh, – so it's well, – I mean, there are similarities and there aren't similarities. But basically, um, it's just a really good team. They have a little struggle early on. Um, but they are just a really good team that kind of stores through the season. They get to the Texas State Championship and they lose on a last-second field goal. So. Oh,
1: okay. Well, yeah. I mean, the movie was kind of. Oh, like- yeah. Yeah, I guess that does kind of sound yeah. similar. Yeah, but <laughs> if you
2: if you do ever watch the TV show, when you're watching um, season one, I think it is, if you get to the part where they, um, where Ray Voodoo Tatum comes into play. Look at a picture of him, and then go back and look at a picture of Justin Jackson on Maryland's basketball team, and they're basically the same person.
0: Huh. Um. I don't know if I'll do that, but I'll remember it. Uh. But yeah, I. I mean, there. <laughs> I, I, I won't What are we talking that. about? I. I don't even know at this point. So let's try and get back on track. Talking about. I mean, this year's team. Um. I. I think with a season like this it's really easy to look back on a specific moment and go that and talk about how that was the moment that, again, when you're looking back in this year, 10, 20, 50 years from now, we're able to say that was when I realized this season, this team was going to be special. Peter, I want to start with you on this one for you. When was the moment that you realized, yo, this team has a chance to be really, really good and maybe surprise some people.
1: Um so when when I realized it was probably the, the the blocked kick against Ohio State. Uh but looking back on the schedule now, I mean you can probably look back and see it in like the uh the overtime run against Minnesota. That I mean that was probably like the crystallizing moment because if they lose that game, I mean things might get out of control. But they put it together, they won. And then they just, you know, kept winning. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the uh, the one moment is definitely the the, the kick, uh, block kick against Ohio State.
0: And the reason I had Peter go first on that one is because Nick, I want you to go second, and I want you to pick something other than the block field goal against Ohio State.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, Nick. Well, that's okay because I wasn't going to pick that. So your your oh, question okay. was what, what was the mo- what was the moment I knew that Penn State had a chance to be something special? Yes. Correct. Okay. So the blocked field goal obviously was a huge moment, but I feel like um, when I was seeing that go down and hugging Matt DeBear furiously, I, I, fe- I mean, I didn't, I don't, nec- I don't think I necessarily left the stadium that night with a feeling of this team is going to go to the Rose Bowl or this team is going to win the Big Ten. I kind of more had the feeling of wow, that was an awesome upset. Maybe this team is good. I'm not really sure, but wow, that was an awesome upset. For me, the the moment where I realized, like, holy crap, this team actually has a chance to be really, really special was the Iowa game, when they just completely, thoroughly demolished everything that Iowa holds near and dear. I think it was 41-14, and and to be even more specific, I think the the Saquon Barkley run during that game was kind of that moment of, like, just sheer possibility like opening up in front of your eyes like for me that that game that entire game that run specifically that was the moment where i realized that this team had a chance to be like historically good for penn state
1: yeah the i i was yeah, at, no that oh, that, that game i was i sorry i that game i was i was sort of feeling iffy about that one ahead of it but yeah them coming out and just smashing iowa right away was uh that that was impressive uh but uh Go back to the Ohio State one. Like after that game, I like immediately went to the schedule and then just started going down and be like, well, I don't know, they might be able to just win the rest of these. So I th- like that yeah. gave that yeah. feeling right then.
2: Yeah, that's true. Especially if you look at the schedule now, because we already knew Michigan State it was booty at that point. So it was oh, pretty oh, much
1: Nick.
0: Come on, stop being kind to Michigan State.
2: It was. It was pretty once. Once you looked at the schedule at that point, then yeah, it, it pretty much is. Five straight wins, with the iffy ones being Iowa and Indiana. So, yeah, yeah, I get, I get where you're coming from.
0: Yeah, I was actually, uh, I was looking at that Indiana game too. Was for again the purposes of this team could be special. I mean, we went, I, I we went home after that game, and again, I was looking at the schedule, going, okay, Purdue's not very great. Iowa's, I mean, they have to come here for a night game, and they're not especially good. Indiana's chaos team, so God knows. Rutgers is Rutgers. Michigan State's booty. You know what? Maybe there's a chance that this team could be special. But the moment that I think it, at least for me, it kind of all came together was, I, I don't remember which touchdown it was against Iowa, but I, it, I, I mean, I've mentioned this on the pod, but my seats are like pretty high up in Beaver Stadium. Uh, I'm in uh, section NCU, so the end zone away from the student section, uh, the upper level in row 69, and my seats are like, if you have vertigo, you shouldn't sit in them. I don't get vertigo, but for really the first time in my life, I knew what it meant for a stadium to actually be physically rocking after Penn State's I think, first or second touchdown, to the point that I was afraid that, like, I was going to stumble and fall and just, like, tumble to my death. It was amazing. And, like, when that happened, I was like, you know what? This team, they look like they know what they're doing on offense. The defense, we know the defense is the defense, and everyone's suddenly healthy. Maybe, maybe this team has the potential to do something. Then they went out and they did the damn thing. I mean, they... Outside of really, uh, outside of the game against Indiana, there was no point during the remainder of the regular season where it went. Oh, you know, and I'm a little bit worried about Penn State, like this could be happening. No, they just decided to steamroll people, and it was awesome. Then they get to the Big Ten Championship game, ridiculous comeback. They get to the Rose Bowl, didn't quite end how we wanted, but I think that when. Like This is going to be a season we don't forget. This is going to be a season that I don't think Penn State is... It's going to be real hard for Penn State to replicate the kind of just feeling around the program that we had this year. And I'm excited for 2017. So one thing that Nick and I wanted to do, and Peter's going to go along with it since well, we kind of just said, hey, Peter, we're doing this, is we're going to look ahead uh, to 2017 a little bit. Uh, We're going to start by talking about the four players that Penn State lost and where we think, well, the four like key contributors Penn State lost and where we think uh, the replacements for them are going to come from. So it's actually five. Chris Godwin on offense, uh, and then Brandon Bell, Garrett Sickles, Evan Schwan, and Malik Golden on defense. Uh, Nick, uh, I'm going to have you run through the defense, if, and then Peter, I'll have you uh, talk about Chris Godwin. You guys want to do it that way? Sure. Only the highest quality product here on Roar Lions Radio, folks.
2: <laughs> yeah, okay. So, Brandon Bell, it seems like the plan... Uh, I know I think some fans have said Manny Bowen's just going to slide into his spot, but it kind of seems like they're going to keep... Bell played the Bell played the will of...
0: I think he played well.
2: Last, year. he he
0: he was an outside linebacker.
2: Um, I think the plan, yeah, yeah, I th- I believe the plan is to keep Bowen where he was and then just kind of give Cam Brown the inside track at Bell's job. That being said, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a runaway for him at all. I think he has to, he's gonna have to fight for that job. I know Jake Cooper hasn't looked terribly impressive uh, in his time, but. He was also on the field way too early. Coming off of injury, had some time to kind of digest the playbook a little more, just learn a little more. He could be a contributor out there, or a competitor. You could see Jarvis Miller. Uh, obviously came in as a safety, as a recruit, but he's been moved to linebacker. Could see him. I think we'll continue to see Koa Farmer in his like ten, nine, ten snaps a game as a pass rusher. Um, and then the wild card there is Braylon Faison Walden, the true freshman, early enrollee. He's on campus right now. I think he, I think he plays this year. I'm not sure it, it goes so far as to him taking over a starting job, but I think he at least sees some time at linebacker, even if it's just in garbage time. He'll probably do most of his work on special teams, but he's not someone who should be discounted. It's possible that we see him there. Um, Sickles and Schwan. I think the obvious answer is you look at guys like Torrance Brown and Sharif Miller. Um, obviously, Ryan Buckholes played outside out a little bit. He kind of shifted back and forth between end and tackle this year. You have uh, five-star slash four-star Shane Simmons waiting now. He'll be a redshirt freshman. You have Daniel Joseph, who we are pretty sure is a defensive tackle, maybe confirmed. I don't exactly remember. It's He's kind of one that we have been pegging as a defensive tackle for a while, but he came in as a defensive end. So it's possible that he is could be a factor in there as well. Um, but really, I think it's going to come down mostly to Torrance Brown and Sharif Miller to kind of shoulder the load there. They're going to be the day one starters most likely, unless Buckles really um, I mean, does something truly special in camp. We've seen enough from Miller to know now. I mean, Miller was a true freshman last year, and he was – fairly outstanding for most of the time he was in. I mean, he played a big role in the Ohio State game. He was getting snaps at the very end of the game when they needed stops. So it was impressive to see him in that situation. And then Torrance Brown is a guy that we've been seeing for a couple of years now, flashes potential. A lot of people expected him to take over that spot opposite of Sickles this past year, where Evan Schwan really stepped up and took control of that spot. I think more so than Brown did anything to not take it over it was more of schwan stepping up but i i'd expect to see a pretty decent season from torrence brown i think expecting them those two to replicate the production of sickles and Schwann right away is unfair because they were both really i mean they weren't they weren't um like carl Nassib type players but they were very very solid in the, where with what they were doing and it, it would be asking a lot for those two guys, Brown and Miller, to replicate exactly what they did. So I think they'll definitely continue to lean on the rotation. I think we see a lot of Shane Simmons this year. And then Malik Golden, um, oh, my favorite favorite Malik Golden, the guy I ridiculed for years, and of yeah. course he balled out as a senior, yeah, uh, yeah which, was, which was awesome. I was going to say it that was awesome.
0: is maybe the most well, – like in terms of just like individual players, I don't think there was a more pleasant surprise – except for maybe Trace, then Malik Golden in the way that he played, considering how the first few years of his Penn State career went.
2: Yeah, and it's kind of becoming a trend. It seems like every year they have someone in, this, someone in the safety group that just steps up and does things that nobody thought they were going to be able to do. And frankly, that could be Troy Apke this year. I mean, he's... I know Dan Smith uh, just hates the way he plays, but he could end up being somebody... Who gets a lot of playing time back there, either as the just overall backup or the starter on one end? You have guys like Nick Scott back there, Aaron Monroe is just dripping with potential, but it kind of seems like Apke has the inside track on that job. So, I mean, who knows? It could be another Malik Golden situation again this year.
0: If if I may, you're forgetting one person.
2: Oh, well, wait,
0: what? You're forgetting my man Garrett Taylor, who is going to win the Oh, yes, yes, Garrett Taylor.
2: Yes, I, yeah. I'm excited
0: for Garrett Taylor. I think he you're, could be. You're so excited that you forgot he was on the team.
2: Yeah, well, I'm just kind of looking at our um, our scholarship uh, chart to kind of remind myself who's there, and it looks like we forgot to move him over. Oh no, there he is. He's still a cornerback. That's why. Oh, okay. So we'll we'll have to fix that. But yeah, yeah no. Well, Garrett hopefully, Taylor by is the time definitely... you
0: listen to this, uh, loyal listener, we've decided to change that, or we may just we may just leave Garrett Taylor a cornerback. Who knows? We like to keep you guessing. Yeah. Who knows. But yeah, uh, I I mean, when. One, the fact that Garrett Taylor committed to Penn State, I mean, that really happened out of nowhere. So I'm obviously. uh, So it's obviously a very pleasant surprise. But yeah, getting him on board, I think he is in the defensive backfield, uh, not counting Lamont Wade and maybe not counting John Reed. I think he may be the most talented guy Penn State has, um, at, at least at least of all the potential guys who can play at safety, and maybe maybe just overall. So he he can do some stuff. He's going to be a whole hell of a lot of fun. Uh, and on the topic of the exact opposite of that, so not fun, I apologize for perhaps leading that, uh, Peter, we have to talk about replacing Chris Godwin, which it's going to suck and it's probably going to be pretty difficult, but Penn State should be able to do that with some of the pieces they got.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, they, they should. It's not going to be one guy that does it. I mean, it's going to take multiple people picking up uh, his production, but I think they have, pretty you know, everybody, everybody else is basically coming back, and they have the pieces there to be uh, still a very productive passing offense. Um, I'm very intrigued by uh, seeing an expanded role in the offense for Saeed Blacknell, because he was very productive in, like, the – the smaller uh burst of time that he got on the field, but I mean, he averaged over 23 yards a catch. So I mean, I think that's a guy. He's very big. Uh, he's nice, uh, a nice physical specimen. As uh, as uh, you know, I'm, I'm a scout, so that that's pretty much. Uh,
0: so so it's not
1: weird when you refer to a human being. Yeah, alive, yeah, that's no, that, no, it's fine. It's perfectly fine. Um, but it's it's going to be a group effort. Is uh, is obvious and you know normal of an answer as that is. Yeah, um, and,
0: and I was going to say the year before uh, you mentioned his yards per catch last year. The year before that, uh, at, so his I believe redshirt freshman year, true freshman year, whatever it was, eight catches, two hundred and forty-eight yards, thirty-one <laughs> yards per catch. So like he he just puts up in, in terms. Of, uh, I and mean, he's kind of a small sample size hero right now, which right. Uh, I, I mean, that can either be a really good thing if it's able to more or less translate over to what he does, uh, what he's able to do once he takes on a bigger role, or, or it could be a rough thing. It can mean that a player, you, you know, Irvin Charles, Juwan Johnson, uh, DeAndre Tompkins have to take on that bigger role. So we can, f- we, I mean, we have high hopes for Saeed Blacknell. I mean, one thing that Dan Smith likes talking about uh, because we're just jacking all of Dan's points on this episode, is that they didn't really have got uh, and all run routes until late into the year, late in the year, and then once he started doing that, we saw what he was capable of in the Big Ten championship game, where Wisconsin, which had one of the better secondaries in the country, I mean, there were some people saying it yeah. outside of Alabama that may have been the best in the country, he just destroyed them. So all the talent in the world. Hopefully it's able to translate. Uh, Nick, uh, so a a little inside baseball talk right here. Nick had to move from his laptop to his phone. So we're about to figure out what this sounds like. Nick, are you here? Yes. Ah, That doesn't sound too bad. Uh, Would you like, uh, now that you're here, to just walk us through a couple uh, of the position battles that you're the most excited to see?
2: Yeah, I think one of them is defensive end. We talked about it a little bit already, and then the linebacker spot again. Um, it sounds like you just finished up talking about wide receivers. Obviously, that's going to be an interesting one. I think um, Irvin Charles and Juwan Johnson are really going to start pushing for more playing time this year, so that'll be interesting. Backup quarterback, I think, is an underrated one. I know we love Tommy Steve. I I love Tommy Stevens more than Hell, much. who doesn't? Yeah, but I think it's who, who doesn't impossible. want a
0: six foot four guy with a good arm who is also capable of making Desmond King look like a child?
2: This is true. I do think it's possible that the Zembek maybe challenges him a little bit, and uh, even Sean Clifford coming in as a true freshman, most likely going to redshirt, but it's possible that we'll see him put up a little bit of a fight, even despite recovering from a few injuries still. Um, but. Those are kind of the ones I'm most interested in. Defensive end, linebacker. Um, it'll be. Inter- it's not really so much a battle, but the nickel corner spot. I want to see if Lamont Wade is ready to come up and kind of take that spot by the reins and yeah, take it over for the rest of the season. So that I, that's an interesting one to me.
0: I, I I mean Lamont is wonderful, and I expect him to do that completely and. Uh, no, I don't mean to be putting the weight of the world on the shoulders of a true freshman who had to, who enrolled early, but that might be happening right now. He's up for it, whatever. Let's, uh, uh, Peter, anything you would like to add on any of the position battles? Uh, no. Cool. Let's, uh, let's get to the point where February twenty eighth. So the college football season, uh, March, April, May, June is about six months away or so. Let's get to the point where we make big sweeping uh, proclamations right now. Uh, We hold ourselves to them later in the year, and then if we're wrong, uh, our commenters will make fun of us, as we will deserve. So, I have five questions here. One of them I know the answer to, but I still want to, just in case, put it out there and see what we have to say. First up, who will be Penn State's best offensive player? Uh we all agree it's Saquon Barkley, right?
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, let's move to a more interesting one. Best defensive player. I think this is like this is a question that there are so many guys who can uh stake their like they have a stake in this one. It's all about figuring out which guy is able to maybe put himself ahead of everybody else just that little bit, because this I I don't think the defense has one standout guy, but they have a bunch of dudes who are really good. Uh, So, uh, Nick, we'll start with you. Who is going to be the best defensive player for Penn State this year?
2: So, are we saying best or most valuable?
0: Uh, Let's go with most valuable. Let's have some fun.
2: If it's most valuable, I think it might be John Reed. I think what he brings as a lockdown corner, um, I mean, not to say that Grant Haley is not one as well, but I feel like the staff just trusts Reed so much at this point, and they are willing to let him be on an island with anyone. They move him uh, to boundary corner. They move him inside, although probably not as much this year. It's just I, I feel like they have so much faith in what, they can, what he can do that he allows the defense to be able to blitz a little more. He allows them to – allows Brent Ryan to get a little more creative with his schemes. I I think he is – I think he's the guy that kind of is the key to the whole defense. I mean, tied with Marcus Allen, I guess, but I don't know. Reed just really strikes me as a guy that they would trust their lives with.
0: So you don't have to really go on too deep of a dive into this, but you picked your most valuable – if I was to say best, who would have you selected?
2: If I'm thinking just pound for pound best football player, I I mean again Reed would be in the discussion, but I think if it's just I think if you're just saying overall best, it's I think it's either Marcus Allen, or uh, possibly even Jason Kubinda. I think both of those guys have NFL futures. Not that Reed doesn't. I think they all do. I just think right now that man I don't know. It's it's tough to pick between those. Those are kind of my big three. I think Jason Kubinda might be the most talented overall player out of all of them, because he's not bad in pass coverage. He's not asked to do it a whole lot, but he's not bad. He can blitz when he needs to. Obviously, he's a great tackler in the middle, so I think I think it might be Cabinda just for overall best.
0: Interesting. Uh, Peter, let's go to you. Uh, MVP of the 2017 Penn State defense is?
1: Uh, yeah, I was going to say Cabinda. Um I think especially with, uh, with Bell leaving. Uh, I mean, you remember sort of like uh, th- about third of the way through the year when both uh, both of those guys were out. Uh, the linebacking core was bad. It, it was really bad. And then Kabinda came back, and things just immediately leveled back out. So I, I think his, his presence there with some, uh, some turnover in the front seven is going to be very important. Uh, but I, I also really like uh, the answer with uh, John Reed especially uh, considering how good he is as a returner.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm actually I'm going to agree with Peter on this one. I And basically for the same reason. I mean, when Jason Kabinda came back, it was a mix of, one, the shot and the arm that he just gave that defense, two, how good he is, and three, how smart of a football player he is. Uh, coach I mean, on the field. Coach on the field, yes, sir. I, I mean, we saw out of... Uh, I mean, we see this all the time, how football players, they need to be able to process everything that is happening in front of them. And Cabinda is really good at that. So I think that the fact that he's going to be there, he's going to have a dude in Manny Bowen on his uh, on one side who's just going to fly around and take some of the pressure off of Cabinda. And then we still have to figure out what's going on on the right and how the front seven, while it's going to be pretty good, they're probably going to get some younger guys in the fold, like we said, Daniel Joseph, uh, Shane Simmons, maybe Ellison Jordan. And they could use a dude like Kabinda to kind of uh, make that transition a little bit easier for them. I think his role on this defense is going to be, uh, like, I think it's going to be really hard to put a, a, a any kind of quantitative way saying how important this dude is going to be. Plus, he's just like the heart and soul of the defense, which... Uh, Again, we saw in the Ohio State game that both with him and with Brandon Bell, when the two of them, I I mean, when they were really fired up, when they were really getting themselves going, they got everyone else around them going too, and that kind of leadership is really important. Uh, Let's go to record. So here's how we're going to do this one. I'm going to read down Penn State's schedule, and we're going to all scream out win or loss, and if anyone uh, says anything that's kind of ludicrous, I will then stop the exercise and say, please explain. So, Lynn. Yeah, I was going to say. Does that count? Uh, Ak- Akron is a win. I agree. Good. I'm glad we're in unison on that one. Uh, Pitt is, uh, I'm going to say we're
1: going to win. Win. Hell yeah, we're going to win the damn thing. Oh, that's
0: that going to be a
1: bloodbath. Like, yeah, no, that game's gonna be a banger, but I, I think they're gonna win.
0: If you are a, if you are listening to this and you have a subscription to Panthers Lair or any. Uh a, a, any premium board, let them know that I use the word. I, I think this one's going has the potential to get pretty ugly. I think Penn State playing uh, playing a revenge game at home, what could end up being a night game with a chance to make a real statement against a good team. Because
1: well, I don't want
0: to. I don't want to say necessarily a good team. I'll say, eh, no, it should be fine. A solid football team. No, they'll be pretty good. Yeah, a chance to make a statement. Good. early in the season. I mean, the rest of their non-con. Akron, Uh, Georgia State, uh, Pitt, that's the game you got to make a statement during. I think they make the statement during that game. Uh, Nick, I know you agree, correct? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wonderful. Georgia State, we're all in unison. Yep. For the good of the order. Yes,
2: but I would kind of like to see Georgia State score a few touchdowns because they've been so nice to host a few satellite camps for us.
0: They have been. So uh, actually, uh, Peter and I. Uh, we're just, b- Before we started this, we talked about satellite camps for half a second. And by the time I got to the letter M in camps, he got real mad. So uh, let's, <laughs> let's, let's move on. Uh, Iowa. Uh, at Iowa. I, I think that's a tricky game. Um, I think Penn State ends up winning it. <coughs> uh, but Akramwa- who, who does Iowa play
2: the week before? Uh,
0: I feel like you're asking me this because it's kind of funny.
1: Uh, you North hope? Texas.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay, so it is kind of funny. Is it
2: Rutgers? it's, no, it's North,
1: North Texas. It's North Texas. So, yes, oh, it's it Rutgers. it
2: actually is. I thought that was a guess. Oh. They don't um, play Rutgers Yeah, I'd year. say that game's a little scary, yeah. Sure, why not?
1: Yeah, although, no, I, I think although they'll although win, I think but I, that could be super sketchy. I don't
0: yeah, know if that's, he's playing quarterback for them, though. Yeah, I mean, if that's one of those games where Rutgers uh, – not Rutgers, Iowa – if they were to get out to like an early 10 nothing lead or something, I don't think I'd be too surprised by that. I think Penn State would win. Volk, Volk did you
2: hear that? He just called you Rutgers.
0: Volk? Or
2: not Volk. Oh, Vint. Jesus.
0: There you go.
2: Confusing my this former SB Nation V.
0: V. Cadres. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah, Iowa. That game, if they get out to like a 10 nothing lead, I think that could be a game Penn State wins like 27-20, 27-23, and... We'd all feel a little bit nervous after, but I don't think any of us would be surprised if that happened. Uh, chaos team coming to town. Uh, that's, that's probably going to be a noon kick, and I don't trust Indiana to go on the road and win a nooner against anybody. So, Is Dickie Wago back? I think so. Oh, hell yeah. But they're also, I don't know, are
2: they still going to be chaos team without Kevin Wilson?
0: I think until we have a reason... To believe that Indiana is not going to be just pure, like the purest form of, of lunacy. I think we kind of have to go off of the assumption that they're going to be
1: that. Okay. That's fair.
0: So yeah, uh, we agree on an Indiana win.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. we're going to get their ass.
0: <laughs> uh, next week, things get kind of interesting. At Northwestern, uh, we're, gonna, we're definitely going to write about this. James Franklin never beaten Pat Fitzgerald. Pat Fitzgerald has always coached well, both against uh, James Franklin, and he seems to get his team prepared to play Penn State. That's at Northwestern. If that's one of those 11 a.m. local time kicks, uh, eh, I, I can see that. Like Again, I'm confident I could see that one getting a bit hairy. Wow.
1: Yeah, no. This is going to be a field goal game. It is going to absolutely suck. <laughs> and I like. I, I was just like scanning through the schedule, and I just saw this and go. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I. I think they're going to win, but like, it's it's going to be stupid.
2: Yeah. Do you think Fitzgerald has nightmares of Matt McGloin?
0: Who doesn't? Yeah. Like, hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. I think this will. Yeah, I kind of I think it'll be like a a 3 to 7 point game. Probably on something late and terrifying. Maybe something like actually, oh, here we go. All right, Northwestern is going to cut the lead to 3 with like 4 minutes left. Somehow Penn State's going to give the ball back, but Northwestern isn't going to score, and that's how the game's going to end.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. Your lips to God's ears. <laughs> Just get that dub, baby. Uh, then bye week, and then, then things get interesting. Uh, because in back-to-back weeks, I, I mean, we could go back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, but I don't think any of us are expecting much out of Michigan State this year. October 21st, uh, Michigan comes to town in a game that uh, – it, it's a revenge game for two years against James Franklin. I wouldn't be surprised if outside of the Nard Dog, there's no coach in – uh, in college football, he wants to just beat more than uh, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Michigan has to replace, insert name of position here, save for Wilton Spate. But at the same time, they have a ton of talent. They're going to be a well-coached team. Harbaugh is going to work his devil magic. That th- This is really the first game that I'm looking at where I think there is a chance Penn State uh, – like I feel some amount of confidence in winning, going into Kinnick and going into Evanston and getting wins there. This game being at home helps a lot, but I still think, Nick, that it's fair to be nervous about beating Michigan.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously they're losing a lot. That's well documented that they're losing basically an entire team. But while that's a little more than... Good teams typically lose, like Alabama and Ohio State have attrition every year, but typically it's not quite on that level. But good teams reload and Michigan has a lot of talent to reload with. So expecting them to be a train wrecker, a sub I mean they it's possible they don't get back to double digit wins, but it I would still I wouldn't bet against them getting to double digit wins. So even though they're replacing a lot of talent, they're replacing a lot of talent with a lot of talent. It's a little early in the season, that game, so there could still be a little bit of them kind of gelling and learning how each other play, so that could be a factor, but I'd say it's definitely fair to be scared of this game.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, Peter, what say you?
1: Uh, uh, Penn State's going to lose a close game, and I'm going to throw my cell phone and my router into the Genesee River.
0: Wow, okay, so... Yeah, no, I, I,
1: like... So, like, everybody has, like, that team that, like, they just, like, cannot stand, like, the most, more than any. Uh, and uh, that's Michigan for me. Same. And losing to them, it, it just... It, it just burns my ass up. And I really don't want this game to happen.
0: I... I, I mean, I'm gonna... Like, I'm with you. I hate Michigan. I, like... This game ending like 31 28 or something makes sense.
1: Yeah, yes. no, I, I think it's yeah. going to be close, but like it's like I just there's don't know who gets, who gets the 31 and who gets the 28. that happens, and ugh. yeah, I plus, could definitely
2: see it. I could definitely see Penn State losing on a last second field goal on their home field. In
1: this oh, god, season. I'm plus, already mad.
0: Plus, <laughs> with it being a night game, I wouldn't be surprised assuming it's a night game, which I think that may be a pretty fair assumption, assuming Penn State is. You know, like, if they come into this game where Penn State is undefeated yeah, no, and Michigan... Yeah, that's, that's reasonable. Michigan's schedule up to that point. Let's see if it's as hilarious as while, last year.
2: While you're, while you're doing this, I have a question to pose, Peter. What do mm-hmm. we think happens first? Alternate uniforms or James Franklin convinces somebody to let Penn State wear white for a whiteout?
0: The latter.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely latter.
0: Okay. So here, here's the thing. Florida is the first team that Michigan plays <laughs> this year. <laughs> Are you serious? I was going I was going to, I I was going to say, to hey guys, guess who Michigan plays this season? But I figured it would be better uh, just for just for uh, you know honesty purposes to say, Hey guys, guess what? They play at the Gators. Yeah, that's a neutral
1: site game. (laughs) Holy hell. Where are they playing? That is going to suck. Oh, right. Where do they play? Why why would a Florida fan go go to that? (laughs) Why would would you pay a ticket for that?
2: Oh, God. For the promise promise of Felipe Franks. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The the start of a new era.
1: Oh, God.
0: Yeah, and then... Oh, I don't know if this is funnier or sadder or what, but the next week they play Cincinnati. Mm. Oh man. Fickle going eat. I
1: I still have it in my head that like Cincinnati is good, but like they're not. <laughs> I I I don't know why like that that never like drifted through into my consciousness.
0: Yeah, I like I don't know why. I think it's because like when they had Brian Kelly there, those, like, Tony Pike, Zach Calaris teams were awesome. And then they got Gunner, and everyone's like, yo, he was a five-star quarterback.
1: And he just, that, that just didn't yeah, work. Yeah. I don't know. For, you, for reason, you sound just, like a Pitt fan. But yeah. They're frozen in my memory as, like, an 8-4 and four team, and they're okay. like, that, that,
0: nope. But, yeah, in all seriousness, Florida Cincinnati Air Force at Purdue, Michigan State at Indiana – there's a pretty good chance that Michigan comes into that game undefeated. Two undefeated games in ha- t- potentially undefeated teams in Happy Valley at night again we assume Harbaugh is going to turn it up to 50 for that one. And the hatred that I am going to feel like <sighs> deep in my bones.
1: Okay. Ooh. Online that, man, will be so, so bad.
0: Oh, I, I am going to be at the game mostly because I just have no desire of being online for that one. Yeah, uh, no. So, yeah, that's uh, that's going to suck. And then the week la- a week later after what could end up being an emotional home win against an undefeated Michigan team, they got to go to Columbus. So, on one hand, they got the two tough games back-to-back. On the other hand, they have to go to Columbus after playing Michigan. Um I'm terrified of this one. I would not be surprised if this game ends like 38-20 Ohio State, just like in a pissed-off revenge game trying to send a statement. Um, I do think Ohio State probably wins this one. Like I'm going at the very least, I think Penn State loses one game, and this is that game that I'm. I have no doubt in my mind they're going to lose because I just can't wrap my mind around Penn State winning this game for whatever reason. Uh, Peter, what do you think?
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think Ohio State wins this one, like probably fairly comfortably.
0: Ugh, Nick, I, it's just it's
1: like the, the schedule did them no favors here, but like, yeah, the the revenge factor for them, and the, it, no, it's not going to be good.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, Nick, what about yeah. yourself? Yeah,
2: um, I feel like it'll be one of those games that. Might be a little closer than the final score indicates, but I could see like a 14 point loss. Um, I do hope they do the blackout again, though, because that did look really cool, especially with Penn State and their whites. Um, So hopefully that happens.
0: Yeah, the thing that I uh, I just can't get around the fact that Ohio State is going to come out, out just pissed off for that game. Like, I think there is something in college football, too. You're playing a game, against a team that beat you last year and cost you the opportunity to win your conference. Of course, Ohio State made it into the playoff. You still want to be able to win your conference championship. I, I can't imagine that JT Barrett and Urban Meyer let them lose that game. Uh, we're going to write more about this uh, in the coming weeks, months, whatever, that is the game that I think kind of decides something we're going to discuss in a little, whether or not Penn State win, potentially wins the Big Ten again and potentially gets the chance to compete for the college football playoff. Uh, moving on, let's uh, let's lighten the mood a little bit. Let's talk about Michigan State. Uh, yeah, Penn State's winning that game, I think, even though it's in East Lansing. Nick?
2: Yeah, I think it sucks for Michigan State, and obviously they
0: took a big
2: step back last year it was mostly due to the fact they lost a bunch of players and they're going to lose a bunch of players again this year so
0: yeah <laughs> sorry Sparty uh, is there a is is there a maybe phrase uh, Peter that people on the internet like to say for when Michigan State does a bad
1: uh, are you referring to Sparty no? Uh,
0: yes that one
1: yeah no, I did no. I, I don't think that's really going to apply here because I don't think they're going to be very good again and, yeah, and, 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 and that would be
2: was, good for Spartan. No, right,
1: right there needs to be a sense of like uh, screwing something up and like <laughs> if you're already bad then like well you're not really screwing up anything so no I think they're going to drag their ass
0: yeah. uh, especially if uh, Penn State does lose against Ohio State the week before you, you yeah. know they're going to want to come into that game and just be like hey let's beat the will of the Lord into the poor saps that we're playing this week oh wait it's Sparty I am just a little bit upset that because I think one of the uh, more underrated moments of this season was uh, Penn State ending its year regular season walking off the field with the land-grant trophy. Uh, so I'm upset that's not going to happen this year. But, <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Leave the me- memories alone. Uh, and then the schedule gets really funny. Uh, really after Ohio State, once they get to Michigan State, it gets funny. The next week they host Rutgers, which... I'm
2: so excited. That's homecoming.
0: Hell yeah!
2: Hell yeah! I'm going to that game and bringing my friend from home who went to Rutgers, and I'm so excited.
1: Yeah, are they like extremely into Rutgers?
2: Uh no, they, like he. So he goes to the game. He goes to almost all the home games, but he goes solely for the tailgate. Like he doesn't really. Ah, uh, yes, that robust
0: Rutgers lose. tailgating scene.
2: Yeah, I, I went to a game with him once when I was a junior at in, at uh, Penn State, and we, or maybe a sophomore, it was when Kasim Green was still with Rutgers when they were actually semi-decent, and it was, like, a big, pretty big game in the conference against Syracuse, and it was still totally commonplace to show up halfway through the first quarter and leave halfway through the third quarter.
0: Yeah.
1: That it, seems reasonable to me.
0: In, in the, Indiana <laughs> was like that a lot, too, when, when I went out, uh... In 2013, but yeah, like I'm, I'm just imagining your friend being like a, a young James Gandolfini, uh, or, or, or like Joey Triviani <laughs> or something like that. Just like, hey Nick, you want to come to the Rutgers game, man? Eh? And just being like super <laughs> Italian with the grease back hair and all that, just like. Well,
2: well he's not, but.
0: Make you this pass rush.
2: I appreciate the sentiment.
0: Hey guys, you want to you want to take it easy on us? What the hell are you doing? Like that kind of. That, I, I would what are we enjoy getting that. Greg Schiano back? Yeah, we haven't had a coach. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, you know, just that kind of thing. He talks with his hands a lot. He's not Italian, but he sounds like we, he's Italian. Like we he's haven't good. been good since our coach was a Paisan, You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Uh, we, we should end this podcast here. Uh, next up, uh, Nebraska. Uh, ne- Nebraska, famously coached by by Mike Riley, who is who is a nice, great guy. Player. They're a very very even keeled man. Um,
1: lovely human.
0: Yes, uh, lovely, lovely, lovely person. We're not going to talk about his ability as a football coach, especially as fit in Nebraska. But a lovely man, a good man, a good person, and really that's all that matters uh, when you're coaching when you're coaching football. It's why Mack Brown uh, had had so much success at Texas. Um, yeah. So
2: what is what is this? What is this new voice change you just Yeah, said what's going I mean, on? Being,
0: I'm being very pleasant because Nebraska football fans don't like to get really riled up, and nor does Mike Riley. Oh,
2: I think you need to talk to Brian Toll on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, have you been
0: online? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Nebraska. Uh, Penn State probably
1: wins. I don't think Nebraska's going to be all that good. Uh, they'll be fine, but yeah, they'll beat them. Yeah.
0: And yeah then, they'll
2: be Nebraska. They'll be Nebraska.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a well, that's yeah, pretty,
2: They are what yeah,
0: they are. Sure, why not? Remember, the, remember when Nebraska was like super good and playing them was a big deal, and now it's just like ah, yeah, Nebraska—they're a thing.
2: That's what happens when you can't get Texas kids to come to your school. Good Texas kids come to your school anymore because you're not in the Big
0: Twelve.
1: Yeah. So, so I'm a, I'm a big proponent of more teams going back and running the option as a as a main offense now. Um, oh, I think that's a, that's fair. I don't think Nebraska needs to do that, but I just think they should. I just, it just feels right.
2: I think they definitely need, they need something to set themselves apart in the Big Ten, I think. Like, cause I think that one of their main problems is that they haven't really, I mean, they've recruited fine, like not poorly or anything. They've been consistently like a top 30 recruiting team, I think. But especially now that they're not in the Big 12 and you, like, you're a texas kid and you don't want to go to texas like you could always have gone to nebraska back in the day and beaten texas or the texas schools but now like yeah
0: you you can go to i mean
2: who they they don't pull like they don't have a base to recruit from like they just kind of have to pull guys from all over which i feel like they're not really used to doing, and they don't really know how to do and i feel like if they had some sort of gimmick or something unique about them, like the option, then they might actually be able to recruit like a few more interesting players here and there. I don't yeah,
0: know. I, I mean, like you think in Nebraska, you're like, oh, hey, we have football history and tradition. When you're recruiting a kid from Texas, it could be like, hey, come play for this team that's not in your state anymore. Or it could be like, hey, I'm going to go to Texas A&M because they have like an entire water park in their college football.
2: Well, um, Bill, I'm not Kevin, sure. if someone Nebraska has a helicopter. <laughs> I'm not sure Nebraska was ever located in Texas.
0: The, 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 the Swaggacopter, whatever they're called? No, I mean, like, back in the day, like, you could bank on, like, tradition. Like, yeah, Texas kids come here all the time, and now it's like... Right, because, yeah, well, they no. played,
1: like, a couple games every year in Texas. Yeah. yeah. Don't now, now they don't. Now, now they don't. Listen, now like, like I said, now I don't they, think they need to run the option, <laughs> but I just want them to. Yeah.
0: I, I, who, Peter, just a quick, uh, quick tangent. What schools
1: need to run the option? uh, uh BC needs to run the option immediately. Oh, yes.
0: <laughs> you see, man, like I, I really love. They may not be good at it, but I love their attempt at doing like beefy football.
1: Yeah, no, like they're they're so close already. They are. Just it just needs a nudge, just a nudge in that direction.
2: Um, you know, Maryland, Maryland, maybe like actually,
1: yeah. I don't know. That doesn't feel right to me. I think like NC State needs to run the option. Hmm, that one's interesting.
0: Yeah, I don't hate that one. Cause like, hey, really quickly, what's the first word that comes to mind when I say NC State football? There isn't one.
1: So mm. so set, your, set yourself uh, a point right Narrow there?
2: Narrowly missed upsets.
1: Yeah, no, I think about like memes from 2009 about Tom O'Brien.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, man, I love memes.
1: Um, but yeah, no, just yeah, come on. Yeah. Just do something interesting. Sure. Why not? Um, I, think, I think that concludes the ACC teams that should run the option. <laughs> Besides, you know, the one that already does.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: option. Uh, let's
0: see. where. What the hell are we talking about? Uh, from there, uh, Penn <laughs> State... Oh, St- speaking of teams that should run the option, uh, Penn State ends its season with a trip uh, to play the mighty Maryland Terrapins. Um,
2: I'm totally all on board for Maryland being an option team now since I said that. I'm not changing my mind. Just give Lorenzo Harrison and Ty, Ty Johnson the ball every, every possession.
0: Lorenzo Harrison is the one who's, like, 5'4", right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Let, let, Perfect. Let, let,
0: let my young man cook. Yeah.
1: No, he should – you know, if he's actually he should, like quarterback. Yeah, there you like, go. Remember all those, like, uh, all those tiny uh, wishbone quarterbacks that played for, like, Oklahoma? Yeah. Just that.
2: <laughs> I mean, really, they could Ty, – Ty, Tyrell Pigrome? is all, like, already can't throw the ball. He's just a runner. So, I mean, the pieces are there. But then again, they also had Perry Hills, and they still attempted to throw the ball, throw the Ooh. ball with him. So
0: Perry Hills was someone who he needed to be like three inches taller and thirty pounds heavier for anything he wanted to do to work. Like he was six two two thirteen, but he tried running like he was just this big old version of Jamarcus Russell, who was a man among boys, and it just didn't work. Uh, so yeah. Maryland, I don't think they're going to be especially great this year. But that this game does have a little bit of like Pitt West Virginia from 2009 or whatever, where like if Penn State is really, really good and it kind of looks like a foregone conclusion they're going to be able to do something in the postseason, then they have to go to a team that just wants to beat them so badly and maybe things go wrong. I don't think that happens, but if you want to make the case that that's going to happen, by all means...
1: Nope, we're gonna grease these dudes. Sweet. Yeah.
2: Maybe, maybe in a few years they'll be a little more difficult with their recruiting class, but not this year.
0: Sure. Why not? Terps. DJ Durkin seems like a not bad person. Uh, yeah. What's uh? I would
2: gu- I would guess won't be there by the time those recruits are ready to be stars.
0: Yeah, I feel like it. He, you know what makes all the sense in the world after Jib McElwain leaves. DJ Durkin goes. Yeah, off. yeah. And for the record, I don't think Jim McElwain's going to get fired. I think he's just like, you know how Sonny Dykes really wanted to get out of Cal, like that.
2: I kind of thought McElwain, um I thought he might have gone to Oregon this offseason.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't can we, know. Can I, we
2: talk about? Can we talk about Big Ten coaches we think will be elsewhere in a few
1: years? Oh, um, love to. Give me one second. Uh, Standing. Well, can we start with Brom? <laughs> no, see, that's the dude who's going to be at Florida in two years.
0: Yeah, we we so so Florida. Uh, every offensive thing that we've tried hasn't worked, and we don't know what the problem is. So let's just keep firing offensive coaches and replace them with offensive coaches. I am I am all in for that.
1: No, I I, I think uh, Florida. That's a, uh, that's a fan base that demands not just winning but winning with a certain uh, style. Um, yeah, can, like winning ugly. Uh, is uh, is not winning at all, yeah, so i I think they just need to keep hiring offensive coaches that uh, until they actually are good at offense. Uh, but no, uh, Jeff Brown is great. I don't think he's gonna be a purdue for very long. No,
0: no no, no. no.
1: like
2: how, how how high can he take Purdue before he leaves?
1: The thing is if I'm him,
0: uh, they're football. if I'm him, like the second that Purdue wins like a 7th or 8th game in a year under him. I'm telling my agent, like, yo, find me something. I don't care what, just find me anything because I need to get out of here.
1: Yeah, no, I think, so here's what happens. Year two, he gets them to like 6-6 and and gets them into a bowl game, and he is gone. Yeah. Uh, I mean,
2: Brom combined with, uh, what's his face, David Blau, could be kind of terrifying. David Blau is not bad.
0: He, he is he is going to be, speaking of people who are going to be good for Florida, he's going to be pretty good for Florida.
2: <laughs> well, no, no, no. So we already have one at Florida, one at LSU. He's got to go somewhere else. Uh,
1: it's just, this feels very Mississippi State. You know what, Peter?
0: I was going to say Mississippi State.
2: I was going to say Auburn.
0: Ooh, well, they just
1: got Stidham. They, they just so. got, uh, yes, Stidham.
2: Yeah, I know. So what is it? I'm
1: I, I, I don't
2: know how many years of eligibility Stidham has left, so I guess that plays into it.
0: I feel kind of bad for the people who live above me because they probably just had me hear hear me scream roll tide roll like that. uh, just going down the Big Ten Franklin out thinks going anywhere. urban's not going anywhere. Um, Jimmy Boy,
1: nah, he's not going anywhere. <sighs>
0: I, I need that to happen, man. I need him to go somewhere. I don't at this point I don't care where. I, I just need the MGO blog for um for like the two weeks before and after he leaves to take over for like bald, Belichick because Belichick Harbaugh becomes prediction. a a US ambassador or something.
2: Bald Harbaugh prediction. Go Ooh. when the Arizona Cardinals job opens up. Ooh. Oh that would be it, such a he good takes idea. It, just to attack the 49ers, and because he already has like Tyron Matthew and a bunch would, of other
0: awesome. Defensive he would get players. to attack the 49ers, and he'd get to shove it in Pete Carroll's face twice a year. Not even like I'm not even talking about like winning football games. He could just like be a dick to Pete Carroll twice a year.
2: Yeah, this is this is yeah,
1: this is my decision on
0: yeah. Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I'm here for that.
1: Uh, moving. Listen, on. I'm not saying I don't want that to happen. I'm just saying I don't think it will. <laughs> Moving on,
0: uh, insert Indiana coach here. Yeah, he'll be there, whatever. Um, like Tom, Tom, Will he, though? It was the Tom Allen? Tom Allen. Will he though? Tom the tool man, as he's more commonly known.
2: If he does well, I could see him going.
0: <laughs> sure, why not? Um, like,
2: I don't know, like mm, Arkansas, when Brett gets the boot.
0: Sure. That, why not? Uh, Durkin, we've already discussed him. Uh, D'Antonio, I mean, he's someone I could see like if they have another bad year. Notre two, Dame, yeah. Well, I was gonna say if he's another like bad year or two, like some people are like, Mark, we know you love, we love you, but and then just you know he has to leave.
1: Yeah, maybe no, maybe I think Spartan I think there's a chance him. he gets fired.
0: I, I don't think he gets necessarily fired, but I think it's one of those like. We've mutually agreed to part ways things which is just firing someone but giving them a nice severance package or whatever and then Chris Ash Chris Ash yeah I think it
1: would it would have to be the something where like they're real bad again this year and then like it just halfway through two thousand was that eighteen they're just not any better i I think uh, that gets nipped right there which
0: I mean that that very plausible uh so, I think they'll be
2: okay in two years, actually. So Rutgers, they, have some good, they have some good recruits.
0: Let, let, let's, let's please just... Uh, Chris Ash. Chris Ash. You know what, Chris buddy? Ashe, Chris Ash. Chris Ash, I hope lose. you were at Rutgers, he'll go Rutgers
2: somewhere. He'll go somewhere and be a coordinator and recuperate and never, ever, 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 ever take a job like Rutgers again.
0: Yes. Th- that uh, Again, like... As Peter so eloquent, we put it: they need a person like Shiano back in there. Like, that, that, at this point, I don't know what else makes sense for them. But yeah, um, yeah. No,
1: Chris Ash is going to be um, a defensive coordinator at a very good school in like two years. Yeah. Um. And like, it, Rutgers being bad is not an indictment of his coaching abilities.
2: Not at no, no, not at
1: all. Um. What? So.
2: Oh, I've got it. He'll be Durkin's defense coordinator in
1: Florida. Uh, I don't think that makes
0: all that much sense. I, I don't and think then, that Ohio State and Michigan would join forces. Like, do you know it does make sense? It. You know what? This is it. When Todd Orlando leaves Texas, Chris Ash just. I was that
2: gonna talk. say Texas actually.
0: There Love we it. Go. There we go. Moving on. Uh, future Los Or Angeles. Clemson. Or Clemson. Or Clemson. Future Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, uh, Venables isn't leaving. Guys, please let me. I I need 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 to mention (laughs) that there were rumors of Paul Crisp going to the Los Angeles Rams. Wait, what? All for that. You don't remember this? What? When? When? Yep. This offseason, right when it opened. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. Oh man, he is such an LA dude that's the thing like, like uh like paul like
2: put 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 yourself in the shoes of like uh, who's on the rams like jared uh, goff. no not jared goff like somebody like you
0: want t- t- know, t- like Aaron austin. donald Tavon or
2: somebody yeah or Tavon austin imagine paul christ walking into the room like would you listen guys we're we're gonna run <laughs> jet
0: sweeps <laughs> Well, that's I don't even fair, know if that's what Tavon, Paul Cristensen like. would be all about. I just about assume that. it is because of what he looks like and the fact that he's a Wisconsin head coach. Oh man, like, ah, oh, God, that was great. Ferentz is the next coach up. Let's, uh, let's all just laugh at the fact that Kirk Ferentz is going to outlast the Sun. Um,
1: Good for him, man.
0: Yeah, like, my dude. I I really want to know who his agent is and how come that agent isn't representing every college football coach.
2: He bucked the trend, too. Normally, I believe his contract extension trend is once he gets it, they have a down year, and they were starting to, and then they turned it around last year.
0: Yeah. Good for Kirk. Good for Kirk. And if you're somehow still listening to this and your name is either... (laughs) if, If your name is either Patrick Vint or Hawkeyes... Sorry guys.
1: Hey dudes, sorry.
0: <laughs> uh Mike Riley, we already discussed him the second Scott Frost is ready to leave. He's taking that job. Um Minnesota. Who knows? Oh man.
1: Yeah, I, this is ooh. this is
2: like a turning point job for Fleck for sure.
1: Yeah.
0: Like
2: this this could be like the It's a hard the, one too. It is. Yeah. This could be the like. It's either going to be the we banish you back to group of five and you stay there forever, or, um, like, good job. Now go take over Texas A and M.
1: Yeah. When someone yeah, for no some he's,
0: reason. He's, gets an yeah, NFL he's going to end
1: up some. Yeah, he's going to be either like somewhere huge uh, in a couple of years, or he's going to be the new coach at like. Uh, cincinnati forever yeah yeah PJ. yeah no i boy i don't think taking this job was a good idea It's a it.
2: bold idea
1: it, it's certainly bold but i, I mean i understand that the need to get out of uh, western michigan sort of well you know this is your window <laughs> you don't want to stay too long you know um <laughs> No, seriously, I mean... No, no, I know. I, I'm
2: thinking more of, like, the... I need to get out of just western Michigan, like, the area.
1: Oh, God,
0: That's I crazy. hate Kalamazoo! <laughs> Run the boat!
1: Um, you're right, you're right, though. No, but I... I th- this is a tough job, and... If things don't go better than they've gone at Minnesota in the last, like, 50 years... Then it's just going to be either a, either a dead end, or he's going to have to go back to like a G five job. Yeah. Uh, Peter,
0: are uh, I mean, you kind of you, you've used this off season to decompress from uh, college football. Are you aware that, uh, oh Jesus Christ, that Minnesota has acquired the
1: rights to of from row the boat? I, I did see that, and that, that, that's, <laughs> uh, that's money well spent.
0: In return, sure. Fleck will give Western Michigan at least $50,000 through five payments of 10 k to endow a scholarship for a football player.
1: Man. This is the stupidest sport on earth. It's incredible.
0: It's amazing. God, <laughs> God almighty. Good for
2: Western Michigan.
0: Good, good for Western Michigan for turning into that, and good on P.J. Fleck for being like, Listen, there is an important family tie thing to me. Uh, and also, this is, like, the thing that I'm known for. I gotta get that, so...
1: It's also, uh, uh, it's also funny to me, personally, because as soon as I saw that story, I was like, hmm, I don't like Row the Boat anymore. <laughs> yeah, there was something like... But so now it's actually bad.
0: There was something, like, really cool and really, like awesome about a small college football school building up a brand based on something. It would be like if Chris Peterson, when he left Boise for Washington, brought the blue turf with him. Like that would have just been like, Oh, this isn't fun anymore. This is really weird. Why are we doing this? Yeah. So Yeah. PJ, I have a, qu- I
2: have right. a question real quick Go ahead. before we move on from Fleck. Go ahead. So we're saying like, why did he take this job? Do you think he, I mean, I know he, there was talk he was up for the Oregon job. Do you think he had the chance to take a job? Like, when we when you consider everything, like, obviously Minnesota is not great, like not a great recruiting base, but being in that it's in the Big Ten West, there's a fairly simple path to at least the championship game.
1: With that in mind, yeah. I
2: mean it takes it makes a little more sense. But do you think he could have got I mean, do you think he was going to get I don't know uh, do you think he was going to get a bigger job?
0: Well, had- I think it's. I, I, how do I put this? I think if you take. Try, try to go from like Western Michigan somewhere else, the ceiling is probably a Minnesota type program. A program that's yeah. like consistently good. You know, it's never going to be a big money thing. Uh, it's a stepping stone power five job. I don't think anyone would have gone, you know, oh, the only thing that makes sense is for P.J. Fleck is to sit there until Notre Dame opens up. Because, like, no, Notre Dame isn't hiring him. Now, I think if you go, if you kind of do, like, the Jeff Brom thing we were talking about, and you win some games in over two or three years, and you show that you're not just a guy who was able to win at a group of five school, that's when, you know, a Notre Dame suddenly opens up. Or... Uh, if D'Antonio weaves, a Michigan State opens up. Although I don't think he'd stay uh, within this conference, like that kind of a job. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, yeah, no, that for sure. I was, just, I was curious. I, I don't think, yeah, like I don't think Oregon would have actually offered him the job per se. Um, so yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It was a not the not necessarily the best move he could have made, but I mean, frankly, it could it could have been could have been the best move?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, looking back on it, I don't remember like every every vacancy that was open this off season, but it, I don't think there was a ton of other great options. Like he wasn't going to go to Cincinnati, right? No, that that's not yeah, yeah. that's not the move. Um, yeah, it was it was Oregon or, I mean, he's not getting Texas. <laughs> no, he wasn't getting LSU. Oh my
0: God! You, it would have been so so funny. Like,
1: row the airboat. Row the boat.
0: Or, or just imagine like him and DeCocho having a conversation about anything.
1: They even speak the same language. So, so I have to <laughs> admit, the same planet.
0: I, I have to admit, uh, Coach Ogeron. I'm excited to take over this program. Why don't you be generous and having you in the house? Over under one and
2: a half years, Coach O is in it. Is at LSU.
0: Over. Over. Just. Yeah. I I think he's there two years. I I think LSU fans are, while they love him now, I think they're going to be really excited to turn on him. Like, really excited to turn on him. And I think the fact that they were apparently so close to getting Tom Herman is going to make fans a little bit impatient, no matter what Tom Herman does at Texas.
2: I could see the boosters having a real quick trigger.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, look at how eager they were to get to like just everything with less and how eager they were to interject themselves and in, oh, we should fire him. Oh, we should keep him around. Now imagine what they're going to do with a guy who doesn't have national championships and doesn't really speak functional English.
1: Right, and well the the problem there is just everybody in the state of Louisiana with any money who's involved with that program is just completely head up their ass obsessed with Alabama. <laughs> so unless, unless they be, unless they beat Alabama, then yeah, they're, I mean, he could go 11 and one and lose to Bama and people are going to be fucking furious at him. So, <laughs> uh,
0: we've, uh, we have two more coaches to talk about. Well, no, we, well, yeah, because we already talked about Brom first up, Pat Fitzgerald. Um, I, I think that save, for uh his basement being excavated, and we find bodies like i he he's at northwestern forever, yep <laughs> yeah.
2: I, think I i I could envision him going to notre dame
0: i I like how we keep <laughs> mentioning Notre Dame like it's an inevitability like that that's just well, warms the well. cockles of my heart,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that rules
0: uh <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, uh, and then yeah. Uh, the last guy we're going to talk about, and I'm very excited to hear the reactions to me saying his name, Lovey. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all keep forgetting about Lovey, don't you?
1: Oh, he boy. Was there. <laughs> <laughs> Super God. Bowl participating. Why
2: did he do this?
1: <laughs> this was such a bad idea. Why did he do this?
2: I don't think I'm, I don't think there's any headline that made me laugh harder this season than the one that said Lovey is already bored in <laughs> campaign. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! I don't. I mean, it, this is. I mean, this is kind of just like his like retirement party. Like, who's he's not going to get an NFL
0: job? Yeah. Mm, right. I mean, no, I unless, not. The, unless the Chicago Bears are in crisis, like, a a crisis that... pretty sure the Bears have been in crisis for, like, two years. Yeah, no, I think they are. The only kind of crisis where it's like, you know what we need? We need a guy who has won football games here before. Like, I don't... Didn't the Bears, like, start
2: Matt Barkley for multiple games this
0: year? we, We agree. He probably took this job in an attempt to convince an NFL team he still has it, even though the... The the Bucks probably shouldn't have fired him, right?
1: Yeah, no that that that's that all sounds reasonable.
0: <laughs> yeah, good. Go to Illinois without, without for the cheating. NFL teams, you still got it without cheating. How old is Lobby?
1: Ooh, uh, forty eight. Uh no, I was gonna say like fifty eight. He is fifty eight. Uh, Hell yeah!
0: Wow, Turned fifty
2: nine. Man, he has beautiful skin.
0: <laughs> and on that note we're ending the podcast um, thank you uh, thank you everyone uh, for listening uh, it was a longer one but we had a lot of talk about and we had a lot of fun um, make sure you buy our shirts we have a lot of cool shirts our new wrestling one that is out is especially cool and I'm a big fan of our hockey one uh, even if uh, releasing it may have kind of opened up uh, the Ark of the Covenant for the Penn State men's hockey team it's okay Sure.
2: It is a very good shirt.
0: It is a very good shirt, and they're still a very good team. So it's all, all right. Uh, follow us on our social media channels uh, Twitter and Facebook are the two big ones. I said them enough times. Keep reading the site, keep supporting the site, keep sharing our stuff. We all really appreciate it. And again, thank you for listening for Peter Burks for Nick Pollock. I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.